Good afternoon and welcome to the Weekly Take on Young News Podcast with your host, Johnny Phillips, alongside Sean Clappis via WhatsApp on this Sunday, July 5th, 2020, sharing with you our thoughts on current events. And we have slowly trickled into the second half of 2020, Sean. we got six more months to go for this year, 2020. A lot's taking place. And I thought I'd like to begin with something that I read recently. It was in a commencement speech given by Alexander Solzhenitsyn in the 1970s, and it was very controversial. He was harshly critical of Western life and pretty much overall letting the American people that know, hey, I know the Soviets are not great people, but you got a lot of problems in your society as well. So before you try to, and I'm going to butcher this from the Bible, remove the specks out of the Soviet's eye, you need to first take a look at the plank in your own eye. And it was a very fascinating speech. It made me feel uncomfortable, made me think about a lot of things that I didn't necessarily want to think about, but it was necessary. It was great to read. And one of the things that I think he pointed out to was something that I thought about, which was just because you're given, Sean, the freedom to exchange ideas does not necessarily mean that you will have a society that will demand the best ideas to rise to the top. And the way he, he put this in his speech was he says here, without any censorship in the West, fashionable trends of thought and ideas are fastidiously separated from those that are not fashionable. And the latter, the not fashionable ideas, without ever being forbidden, have little chance of finding their way into periodicals or books or being heard in colleges. In other words, what he's saying is, even though you're given this vast amount of freedom and you can have all sorts of ideas, good ideas, bad ideas, you have the internet, you're exchanging things, Twitter, Facebook, copy, paste, all these different ways to spread ideas and you can do so for the most part, Sean, without obviously being put in prison or as he would say later on in his commencement speech, being physically harmed, okay? This does not just guarantee that the best, most valuable ideas are gonna rise to the top and are gonna dominate your newspapers, are gonna dominate your magazines, are gonna do dominate Facebook accounts, uh, uh, Twitter accounts. That doesn't necessarily mean that that's gonna take place. And I thought it was just very interesting because I've heard so many half-truths, I've seen so much what you would consider fake news, false, um, um, just, just bad journalists, uh, bad journalism, excuse me, um, a lack of critical thinking. I'm thinking, how is this happening, right, Sean? I mean, this all took place during a time where we should feel free to express our opinions. Journalists should be free to write what they think is true. And you have this exchange of ideas, and yet, whether it's COVID-19, whether it's what took place with Black Lives Matter, you don't see us getting closer to things that are more valuable, that are more true, okay, that are deeper, stronger, better ideas, more stable ideas, rising to the top. It just doesn't seem like we are heading in this direction. And I think that might be what surprised me most about these six months is that you had a situation, a lot of worry, stress, anxiety, tremendous amount of news, and just and despite all of this access to information, there was total confusion, Sean, and there still seems to be confusion. There still seems to be an identity crisis, and I think you said it best right before this show that freedom, I think, and I might butcher this, and I want you to have your take. You said freedom is 
necessary, but it's not sufficient enough for society. And I think that's the message here that, you know, it's necessary, but my mistake was it's enough. It's sufficient enough for us to weather these times. Okay. And I think I was proven wrong in these last six months. And with that said, Sean, I'd just like to have you take it up uh, from there. Yeah, John, well, well said. I'm, I'm very glad that you, you're basing this on the Solzhenitsyn quote. Um, and yeah, that was the first thing that came to mind. The first thing that came to mind when you told me that quote, and I realized it's like, yeah, you know, freedom and freedom of speech and freedom of thought and freedom of ideas, they are necessary. Necessary for a virtuous society and for a functioning society. But they are not sufficient. They're, they, it's not enough just to be free. You have to actively enforce this. Mm. And you have to act, actively actively criticize and probe and, 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 and use empiricism and use epistemology. Constantly use epistemology to pick apart what, what do I believe. Do I believe... You know, the things that I believe, and I do this every once in a while, I'll kind of redress. And this this is hard to do, man. And I've had to change my views. I've changed a lot since since I was, you know, a teenager back in college. And I'm not trying to, like, pat my back or toot my own horn. My own horn. I'm just saying that, like, you know, if you really look in the mirror and you examine your beliefs, a lot of your beliefs, you realize they're not actually my own beliefs. They're not actually your own beliefs. You got them from somebody else. And that's not saying that they're invalid, but they might be. You have to you have to examine the validity of these ideas and realize, oh, why do I believe this? Why why things that we things that we take for granted I mean things that are so basic that we are taught, like slavery is bad, you know, or rape is bad, or incest is you know, this awful or murder is bad, you know? Like we're taught these things, but do we actually do the legwork, the mental legwork of trying to pick apart the argument and figure out why are these things true? Why do we? Why do I believe these things? Is the basis of my argument valid? Is the, mm. am I am I am I believing these things based off of demonstrably true uh, facets? And if the if the answer is no, then you'd better figure out what you believe in and why you believe in it. Otherwise, you are very likely to be grifted for somebody to come along and tell you sophistry, which is, you know, it's nonsense that sounds good. Yeah. And there's a lot of that going around now. Yeah. If you don't have a critically thinking public, I yep. think who, who was it? Was it Madison, James Madison or Tom Scripson said, you know, it's just the, the, an educated public, public, the, 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 the edu- people being educated is completely necessary for, a virtuous society, and yeah. that's absolutely true. Yeah. yeah. And when I when I say educated, I don't mean indoctrinated. I don't mean people being taught what to think. Yeah. I mean people being people being taught how to think. Yeah. And this is this is really the crux of the issue. And I guess I don't mean to sound all esoteric about this, but there's so much fake news out there, and there's so much nonsense, and there's so much garbage being poured into people's ears when it comes to you know, tribalism and identity politics and and intersectionality and all of these all of these uh, oppressed oppressor uh, oppressed narratives that if you I mean, they sound it feels good. If someone comes to me, it comes to you, John, and say, hey, Johnny, you know, and all of your failures, they're not your fault. Everything uh, like your name, na- if your neighbor has more than you, it's because they've been stealing from you this whole time. You know, it's like yeah. that's a very, very uh, seductive 
way to get people to, you know, to get be on your side. Like, yeah, you know what? I have been uh, dealt a bad hand. Yeah, yeah, things aren't fair, such and such. And then it's like, you know, so it sounds, you know, a lot of these things sound very, very yep. nice and seductive, but they're yep. not based in anything. Yep. They're, so, you know, do you want to jump in here? Yeah, I mean, one of the things I was going to say was, you know, when we look at kind of how we become, I mean, in the way I would describe it is we're just soft, Sean. Yeah. We're very soft. And I think when you have something like COVID-19, when you have something like the topic of race in America, when you have election 2020, you have these topics and they generate a lot of conversation and you can see people's stress and their anxiety and how to react and how to cope and and you see all of what is taking place so far in the first half of 2020 and part of me says john you should have seen this coming because for the past decade our soft virtues were the only things we're emphasizing yeah we were not emphasizing the tougher parts of life the things that weren't so sexy aren't put up on billboards aren't put right. up on commercials whether it's right. the word discipline whether it's the word adversity, whether it's the word being patient, whether it's not being a victim, whether it's doing all of the the, the things that self-restraint, okay? Personal response, personal responsibility. Personal responsibility. Um, not oh, uh, um, um, living within your means, Sean. Yeah, yeah. Over the yeah. past decade, we threw these out the window. Oh, more and, than a decade. I'd yeah. say through, over the past 50 years, these things have slowly eroded away. Yeah. And that's and, because, Johnny... Because they are associated with an old world traditional view of society. And so they were jettisoned. It's right. essentially like throwing out the baby with the bathwater. You know, right. you say the, the, uh, the baby boomer hippie, hippie generation says, and I think we covered this a little bit in the last, last episode, they see all of these things that are restrictive and that they, right. they, they, they are hierarchical and they're tyrannical. And so they say, okay, let's strip all this off. Okay, well... Like you said, you know, if you're tearing down a fence, you better know why it was put up in the first place. Yep. Like yep. just because you have an institution, just because you have a tradition, that doesn't make it tyrannical. I mean, there might be there might be bad bad elements in there that right. you have to exercise, you know? Right. But tearing down the whole structure doesn't it doesn't produce liberty at all. It actually right. produces more tyranny. Right. So No, but, that's you know, a huge that's a huge part of it. And mm -hmm. That, that requires thought, and I think that requires, and I guess the orthodox perspective, it's called metanoia, which is a change of mind, which is what a lot of Christians are called to do. Is like a change, it's not just, it's a change of mind. You're supposed to attract, address every single day, and see a part of you that isn't perfect, that is flawed, that has problems, and your job is to fix that flaw, and your job is to solve that problem. And mm -hmm. so one of the things is, it's a very humbling thing to do. Because it's acknowledging the fact that you aren't perfect. It's acknowledging the fact that there's problems with you. And that if you mm -hmm. continue to live in the state in which you are in, there are going to be problems that are even greater than the ones that you're faced with. And I think that might be another thing that happened. Because I just think there was a sense of, Sean, the way I would describe it is, you know, it's, it was a mixture of like, and I, 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 I fell into this, I guess, I, I'm right there. This like complacency comfort, mm. satisfaction, all of these things in which were trying to tell me that life was okay. 
that things didn't have to be fixed, that our foundation was all right, that the roots were not rotten, that the branches, although we had a couple of bad branches, those didn't require us to, you know, really look inside and see some of the roots that were growing that weren't so great. And a lot, and, and really what I'm trying to say, Sean, is look deeper. And, mm. and I look at the last six months and I see just people how we, you know, it's not just how people reacted to the virus. It's how people reacted to other people. Yeah. And I think that's what surprised yeah. me a lot over the past six months is, I mean, there are stories. I just had a conversation with someone who does contracting in Maine. And it taught, and this is not to throw everyone in Maine under the bus, right? But there was stories, and, and Rhode Island's another one of them, where if they saw license plate plates specifically from New York, there was this kind of ill towards that person, uh, yeah. this like curse that yeah. person, this let's mm -hmm. like get out of here. You're mm -hmm. you're 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 a plague. You're poison, and we mm -hmm. need to rid you from this area. And mm -hmm. And I think this wasn't just taking place with cars and license plates. This was taking place whether you were wearing or not wearing a mask. Um, right. It just it, I don't know how this all happened. I don't even know, Sean. You got to help me out John, here. How we went John, from like the yeah. the mm -hmm. we went from pretty much taking something that was a scientific thing and then yeah. morphed it into a political thing and, we and now we can't tell the difference between what is scientific and what is political it, exactly let me jump in right there because what you said was perfect um human beings we are running software from of you know 20th century morality right western yeah. post-enlightenment morality this is kind of what americans are sort of running on um but our hardware is still caveman era. You know, our hardware is still from when we were living in trees and when we were just figuring out how to break apart stone tools and hunt large animals. You know, this is like, we're, we're, we've got a computer from 200,000 years ago and we're running software that is from this century, right? right. So all of these, I mean, all of the evolutionary buttons are still there that, that that privileged tribalism and fear and um, you know and violence and you know this is this is and, and human beings understandably so get scared at at things that are that may or may not be there right right like the unknown is, you know I mean I'm in p p paranoia this is Richard Dawkins talks about this he goes if you were hunter gatherer lying down a this is a hundred thousand years ago right you're you're lying down. And in the bushes, you hear rustling, right? Now, 99 times out of 100, it's just the wind. But that one time, it's going to be a leopard or a jaguar. And if you don't run, you're dead. You're absolutely dead, right? right. And so evolution, natural selection, privileges the, the creatures that would run 100% of the time. Right. Because those, those are the ones, you know, after you have a million of those interactions, that is what gets programmed into the into the creatures that survive the ones right. who run the ones who get up the fighter you know the flight mechanism the fight or flight mechanism so even though there is no logical reason to get up and run away right right the evolutionary reason is there and yep. that still john that still stays with us yeah people at people act irrationally because of these be, you know just because of behavior that that we we had to and we we had to act on in order to survive because Correct. you know life for for all of human history life has been very 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 hard right and we are we're only now 
coming out of Plato's cave. And, right. and only only now, you know, we have this wonderful things like, uh, you know, like civil liberties and, oh, wow, equality under the law oh, and capitalism. Yep. Oh, my goodness. I'm, I'm free to use my money how I want to. Yep. A king or a magistrate yep. or a pope doesn't make doesn't make, you know, it's this. Yep. This is this. Is, so I think people, you know, we have to be aware that we all have the tendencies to go back into these regressive, tribalistic, yep. racist, fearful, um, fear mongering, fearful. Yep. Every single person, Johnny, not just yep. white people, every yep. <laughs> everybody. Correct. And I mean, I guess I guess I'm kind of touching onto the onto the sort of woke ideology that that uh, that that uh, is so prevalent and underscores the culture war that's going on in america right now right but that's that's part that's part of it do you you want to jump in yeah well i was just going to say what you're describing there is in order to see in order to stay away from tribalism in order to stay away from this kind of fear of the unknown fear from something that is different you need something called courage and unfortunately you see the thing is about courage is what people don't understand is you don't get both you don't get safety and you don't get to be, you know, the hero always and stay alive. Yeah. A lot of times yeah. what people don't want to admit in this world is that a lot of times the hero does not survive. A lot yeah. of times the hero makes a sacrifice. And it's something that obviously over the hundreds and hundreds of years, we've always honored something about someone giving their life for someone else mm-hmm. or for something mm-hmm. else that's greater than themselves. And mm-hmm. and and the, the way that I think things that were combated in the past, whether it was invasions whether it was any type of threat from nature, from man, the way we would combat this is we would have a society that was courageous. And I thought about it, I'm like, well, like, what type of conditions do you need in order to be courageous? And it's like, well, you need adversity. You need training and courage. You just don't all of a sudden become this knight yeah. in shining armor overnight after being inspired by a quote that you see on Facebook. Yeah. A lot of times courage takes years and years and years of training specifically in the art of sacrifice. Yeah. And yeah. if you want to know why so many people gave their lives whether it was in World War II or World War 1, I, I believe that it was this repetitive when you woke up in the morning, this relationship that I think people had with nature, people had with their family members. People had with their siblings, people had with their parents, people had with their communities, people had with their churches. There was this constant reminder of sacrifice. And I think sacrifice and courage go together. But as you said, as we progress as a society and things become easier and we have more choices and we have more comfort, the necessity for something like courage seemed to have gone away. And I feel like the first half of 2020... I see a lack of courage, and that's as a result of not strengthening that muscle, okay, for the past, obviously more than a decade, but for the past 10 years, I would say this is when I've been paying most closest attention to cultural trends, political trends, economic Mm. trends, art trends, and I see how things have taken place the past six months, and I see a lack of courage, Sean. Yeah. Well, you know, I I think that... The human spirit, you can kind of bifurcate the human spirit into the two aspects. And I'm, I, know, I know I'm being very reductionist, but it's it's kind of like looking at the human spirit in terms of a Dionysian aspect and an Apollonian aspect. And I, I guess for like the layperson, 
Dionysus was the god of wine, right? Mm-hmm. In, in, in Greek culture, like Dionysus was the god of wine, the god imbibing, partying, basically. Hedonism, pleasure, uh, uh, sensual joy, bliss, all of these things that are uh, associated with, you know, partying and, 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 uh, and essentially sensuality, like feeling emotions. Yeah. And then you have Apollo, right? was uh, this the Apollonian aspects, which are stoicism, very high-minded ideals of sacrifice, courage, selflessness, right? So you have one aspect that is very selfish and the other aspect that is very selfless. And I think they, this is, this kind of provides us a very useful yin and yang that I think if you have a healthy balance of both of them, then you can have a, a good life and a fulfilling life yeah. and a life that is both meaningful and at the same time, you'll be happy and, and, and pleasurable. Right. 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 And I think our society, because we've been, you know, in this kind of lull of peace for so long, we have been emphasizing the Dionysian and, and completely neglecting the Apollonian. And so, I mean, Johnny, and I can speak from experience, I'm a jazz musician, you know, jazz musicians and artists, we, and just musicians and artists in general, entertainers, we are woefully, woefully undereducated and underpracticed on our Apollonian principles, I think, at least, at least in, at least in terms of how society views us and how society values us and how we value, we value ourselves in society. And there's just so much, there's just so much hedonistic decadence. And I don't mean to sound like a prude, you know, like, like I'm not, (laughs) you know, but there is, there is really a lack of of stoicism and, and self-sacrifice. And, and, you know, this idea that you should be humble and it's, it's a, it's a virtue to be humble and it's a virtue to be patient and it's a virtue to, um, you know, to kind of put your nose down and work hard at something. This is, these are, these are, these are hard things to stomach and they're in a society where things come so easily. Yeah. It's so it's, you don't, you don't need them. You could just jettison them. You don't need to worry about them because everything comes at us now. Yep. Everything, you know, you just open up your phone and you want seamless. Sure. Here you go. Here's some seamless and all of these things. And now COVID-19 has basically slapped everyone in the face and goes, Oh no, 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 no. It's not that easy. Not really. Not really. Yeah. So people are people who have not, exercise any of these apollonian principles are just they're freaking out yeah they're losing their minds yeah and 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 this leads to you know statues of abraham lincoln and ulysses s grant and hans christian haig being torn down right right (laughs) no by people by people who believe that they were you know evil racists correct and these are the guys who abolished race abolished slavery correct you know it's 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 completely ridiculous yeah yeah no and it's of course going back it's very cliche sean but it's easy to tear something down it's very hard to build something up so what it tells you 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 see all these statues being torn okay you want to tear down society you want to tell the government what they're doing wrong. You want to tell what society's doing wrong. You want to see how many racists are out there. Okay, now try yeah. to build, try to try to build up society. But the problem is you can't, and the reason you can't is because your work ethic sucks, because you're lazy, because you decided to live your entire life on social media, and it's very easy from a social media standpoint, from a reactionary standpoint, to tear something yeah. down versus build something criticize. up. And Just they're gonna, feel, they're gonna, those people, people are gonna find that out very soon. And. You know, I, I have to always remind people, I had a great interview with two men 
talking about what is sacred and why does it matter specifically from the Christian worldview. And one of the things they mentioned was, I think what Jim was alluding to was, he was talking about how people have gotten freedom wrong, especially in the Christian sense. I think Jaco Willick described it really good when he said freedom is disciplined. Yeah, um, discipline I think equals freedom. Yeah. What, what, what Jim was trying to say was, look, like I know people think like you're free when you have sex all the time, when you drink all the time, when you go to entertainment venues all the time. But he said right. what people don't realize is there is also a freedom that you're giving up in doing that. And so, for example, if you're sleeping all around all the time, okay, how free are you when it comes down to your family life? When it comes mm -hmm. down to being able to do things um, with your family or with all these affairs and then all of a sudden there's STDs involved and now you're sick and now there's all, these, there's, there's all this baggage that potentially could come along with being yeah, incredibly yeah. promiscuous, right? But again, those things, we, in yeah. our society, we're only talking about, okay, the freedom to do that because it's pleasurable and as you said, right. the Dionysian thought. Right. Now, the other one is like drink all, I, I, want, I can have the freedom to drink and party all the time. Well, you don't understand. You might have the freedom to do that, but now the freedom to get up early in the morning and read a book the freedom right. to uh, pursue a job and to uh, save money and uh, to you, those freedoms are now taken away from you. Okay. If you're, if you're, if you're free, if you, if you consider yourself free to drink all the time, then you shouldn't complain when you're, you're not free from cirrhosis of the liver. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Exactly. And so it doesn't seem like, it seems like all the freedoms when people talk about like, the freedom to pursue a study that you want and be focused. You know, a lot of times in order to pursue something with tremendous focus, tremendous detail, means you can't necessarily act on the freedom to just, you know, take part in sex, drugs, and entertainment nonstop 24-7. And I think that's the part that wasn't always uh, uh, approached. It's always like, I mean, in general, the guy made fun of in today's society is the, you know, middle class, Three kids with his wife living, quote unquote, his boring life in the summer. Yeah, he's yeah, got yeah. no, but, he's got no button, freedom. Button people's. down. Yeah, yeah. It's no, like Johnny, got, that's exactly, go. exactly. Let, let, let me jump in. Yeah, here. Um, I, I, I want to address that, but first, let me address something that you reminded me of when you talked about tearing down statues. Yesterday was the Fourth of July in the United States, right? And um, um, a lot of you know my because Facebook is an echo chamber. Love. I, 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 and most of the echo chamber of the Facebook that I'm in is left wing because it's all musicians and artists. And for one reason or another, everyone is sharing Frederick Douglass's comments on the 4th of July and his thoughts on the 4th of July. And Frederick Douglass talking about the statue of Abraham Lincoln standing over a freed slave who's kneeling in front of him. And it's a very interesting criticism because I don't think anybody has actually read that speech. And they take this to mean some kind of a black American indictment of the 4th of July. And that is the furthest from the truth. Frederick Douglass was a patriot. He was one of the greatest Americans who ever lived, right? And when he talks about the statue of Lincoln with a, sl with a newly emancipated slave on his knees thanking Lincoln, his argument is not let's tear it down. His argument is I would like to see the next statue being put up of a black man and Lincoln standing face to face and acknowledging each other. And it's like, man, wow. Frederick Douglass, it, he was so positive. He like, he didn't want to tear any of this stuff down. He wanted to build stuff up. Right. And it just, and I like, I, and I read that and I was like, this is kind of doesn't go along with the woke narrative that everyone is trying to put out there. Right. Frederick Douglass, Frederick Douglass is talking about not tearing any, not tearing white people down, not tearing the institutions down. He's saying, what I think is the most American sentiment you can echo, which is 
this is good. Let's make it better. Let's Correct. keep building upon it. Let's Correct. keep building upon it. And Johnny, that is America. America Correct. is a land of re- of reform. And Correct. we say, oh, you know what? We had this dark past of slavery. Well, guess what? We fix that. Oh, we have this dark past of Jim Crow. We fix that. How do we? How do we? Make things better for people, for Correct. everybody. How do we increase opportunity? Correct. And that is America, man. And, and I mean, Ayan Hirsi Ali, she's a Somalian writer, and uh, she is a politician. She fl- fled to Denmark uh, uh, from Somalia, and now she's an American citizen. Yep. She talked about this. She talked about this uh, in a recent interview. She says, you know, for anybody who like any kind of anyone who believes in this kind of neo-Marxist mentality where you're like trying to tear down America because you believe it's racist and horrible. She goes, please travel the world. Like you will realize that Americans and America are the culture that is the, the, she's, she goes, I've never met any culture that is so committed to get it to destroying and dismantling racism and creating freedom and equality for everyone. She goes, I've never seen any culture like she and she's like, you know, and I and I lived in Denmark for a long time, which is, considers itself a very progressive society. But it is nothing like how Americans are trying to improve things and create equality for everyone. Correct. And that really stuck with me because it's like this is a this is a black ex-Muslim woman who grew up in, uh, you know, in a society that is totally repressive and totally racist as she as she as she describes, she goes to Denmark, which is a super, you know, as Bernie Sanders says, is super progressive. She goes, mm, okay, this is this is all right, this is better. And then she yep. goes to America and goes, oh, oh, this is the brass ring. Yep. This is where this is where it's actually best for gay people and transgender people and women and blacks. And this is this is coming out of her mouth, and I'm going, man, if only when people say, oh, we need to amplify black voices. I want to hear her voice get amplified. Correct. You know, like correct. Want, but you know I what it is? Hear, it goes back to my point that she's not together. what she's saying is not fashionable. It goes back to what Sophie no, Nixon it's was not saying. Fashionable. It's like, is it's it? Are you right now? It's hard. Yes. Are you it's free right now to, for example, go online and, and listen to her? Yes. Are you free to listen to or read her books? Yes. But what Sophie Nixon was fascinating. What he was saying is, is yes, you're given this tremendous amount of freedom. But if it's not a fashionable view, don't count on it being on the front paper of the newspaper. Don't, well, don't count and, on it being on the and, books, being read. And exactly. All that stuff. And also, Johnny, I mean, we say, and First Amendment does protect freedom of speech, but Johnny, I mean, people are getting fired Correct. for like for non-woke opinions. Correct. People are getting fired for, t- for tweeting out a, uh, uh, Martin Luther King quotes, like a letter from a Birmingham jail. And, and and for for like t- tweeting or saying all lives matter, people are getting fired for this. Um, um, uh, what's his face? Drew Brees just said, "I support the flag," and he got absolutely trashed by everyone. Yeah, just yeah. because he said, "I support the flag," that's it's, that's yeah. it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. And there was a there was a soccer player on the LA Galaxy uh, who his wife said something about Black Lives Matter. I, I didn't even know what she said. But he got fired for what his wife said, and it's like this is insane. This is, you know, this is 1984. Yeah, can you believe it? It's revising words, thought crime. Yeah. So it's like freedom of speech and freedom. This really is under attack. Yeah. Because popular opinions are trying to tamp down on unpopular opinions. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) No, I know. I think it's picked up. I agree with you. Even though you have access to information and you can find this stuff. I think if you take this information and you decide to 
to emphasize it, re-emphasize it, or speak about it now. In, in there used to be a time where people allowed you to do so. It, it, it does, however, in some ways, tell me, Sean, that when someone starts acting like this, it's almost this paranoia and this anger and rage that there are people out there that think differently than us mm. and they have a different view of liberalism and all that stuff. And when you see all this rage from what went on with the impeachment to whether it's Trump, as you mentioned, Drew Brees, the protests, the riots, the looting, all of this kind of chaos, you wonder if if this is like their desperate attempt, their final attempt to be like, you know, whatever we, by all means necessary, by all means necessary, we need to obviously start taking the forefront and start shutting people up. Because we're desperate, we're running out of ideas, we can't beat them on the conversational front, we can't beat them on the factual front. The only other thing that we can do is start to silence them and use some of our wings within the academic and uh, entertainment oh, yeah. uh, industries to try to do what we can to silence the opposition. And so I do think it's, it's crept up. Um, but again, I, I think also what would help us a lot during these times is if the majority of people did... If the majority of people took the unfashionable views and really prioritized them over other things, I think some of these bigger conglomerates, some of these corporations would, would, would change their priorities in terms of what they would value. And, and, and that, that also yeah. has gone on a little bit in terms of this stuff. But I, I think you made a good point. I, like, I, want, I want to bring up what you mentioned to, about um, people tearing down the statues. And just one more point to make. I, I would yeah. just ask someone, okay – are we are, are has our society improved from 50 years ago? And if they say yes, okay, which I'm assuming they're going to say yes, okay? And even if they say mm. yes but not enough. Okay, fine, fair mm. enough. But what you are just admitting to the fact, you're you're admitting the fact that you live in a society that's changed for the better. Now, how can it yeah. how can a society change for the better if it's built foundationally on evil? It, right. it, that that, right. that can't um, happen. Yeah. You can't say that things have improved in your society if you also are saying that the foundation is evil, if the foundation yeah. is systemically racist. You cannot have right. a foundation that is systemically racist and have improvements on race relations. You cannot have, Sean, a racist yeah. society and have the only day, the only national federal holiday being given to a black man, Martin Luther King Jr. Not even George Washington has his day, right? Martin Luther Mm. King has his day. If we are such a racist society, why is it that MLK is a day in which is honored and should be by American society? That is what I would say to that person, okay, who is out there claiming these things. And, And then another thing to point in mind, I've noticed over the past couple of months, you know, when they do the employment, they're saying, well, black unemployment has lost over the past couple months, and this is as a result of racism. I said... You, you got to be really careful with how you're analyzing this because if you're mm-hmm. saying that employment is tied to race and that the mm. greater the employment is for blacks, right, mm. that the less racism there is in society, what happens when someone starts bringing you facts and statistics from 100 years ago and says that unemployment rates were lower, okay, in, for mm. example, the city of Detroit, Michigan? Now, mm-hmm. are we going to all of a sudden now, do we have to assume that 100 years ago because there was lower unemployment that it was a less racist society? Right, like right. this is what they yeah, do. Yeah. It, it happens all the time. Now the national parks in America are under attack because they don't see 
uh, enough black. They don't see the proportion of black people that are attending these national parks. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, unbelievable. So, I know. That's and then crazy. again, you're not asking the question like, what if, what if people just don't want to do certain things? Is that okay? Yeah. Is it okay yeah. not to do some things that are in proportion to specifically your race, your ethnicity, your gender? What happens if the majority of people, okay, who fit my prototype or whatever you want to call it, gene pool, okay, are not tennis pros? Should I like right. look at myself and say to myself in, in the mirror, mm, John, I don't know if you're doing something right. It doesn't seem right. like you're represented in this field the way you should be represented. I, I just, I'm quite confused about it, but I think it goes down to the fact that this is exactly what societies, these are the problems that societies have, Sean, when you mm. don't look at the human, the soul, the spirit, the individual aspect of, of, of a human being and instead, you resort to a race, to a dialect, to a religion as being yeah. the source, as being the source of how that person should be identified. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was thinking about this just a couple of days ago. And John McWhorter, who's a great um, uh, black uh, educator and philosopher and writer, he talks about how anti, you know, the religion of anti-racism. And I, I was thinking, I was writing about this a couple of days ago, specifically talking about what you're talking about. And um, this idea that if there are not equal outcomes for along groups, that there, that must be evidence of some type of, of racially based uh, oppression or some type of, you know, white supremacist gerrymandering. Right. So there's some type of there's some type of. Uh, nonsense going on that is preventing black people from going to the national parks right so this and this is a this is an this is equality of of outcomes viewpoint and if you look at any empirically at anybody any group throughout history you'll see that equality of outcomes is not inherent in the human condition everyone's different people make different choices right there's like why are there more you know, I think I brought up this up before. Like, why aren't there any Mexicans in the NBA? Well, go to Mexico and ask how many Mexicans like basketball. They'll probably tell you that most of them like to play soccer or most of them like boxing. You know, like yeah. there are there are cultural and economic reasons why people go into different fields while people, you know, go uh, uh, excel at different things, choose to go into Correct. different things, while value different things. And that's not to say that there isn't discrimination in any in any regard whatsoever. No. But if you're going to if you're going to look at disparity of an outcome, and then you're going to point to racism as the cause, you have to show your work. But yeah. they don't do this, John. They yeah. don't. They just say they just say, oh, there aren't as many women in STEM fields as men. Well, that must be sexism. That must be somehow. But right. it's like no. Well, you can see in Sweden, like the government has done. Has, I mean, they've they've dumped millions and millions of dollars into trying to get women into STEM fields, mathematics, yeah. uh, uh, um, uh, science, you know, science, engineering, coding, all of these things that are dominated by men. They've dumped so much money into trying to like flatten this curve and to try to get the outcomes to be equal. And John, you know, the result has been yeah. The result has been that the, opposite. the number that, that the the gap has actually gotten bigger, yeah. and there are less women going yeah. to STEM and more yeah. men going to STEM. Yeah. So it's like this is this this should this should this is a great experiment Correct. in showing you that you cannot and you cannot force equality of outcomes. Correct. People make people make decisions based on their culture, based on their economics, based on all, all of these things 
that are irrespective of race. And people and, shouldn't feel guilty when they do so. That's, that's no, the thing. Ex ex they should exactly. be inspired. They should exactly. be passionate. Yeah, they should I, I love mean, and, what and, they and, do. And, and, and there you go, because it's like that, that is freedom. Giving a woman, like giving a woman the choice, you know, that's what it's like. People will say like, oh, are you a feminist? I'll be like, what version of feminism are you talking about? Because a classical feminist, like a, 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 a um, um, you know, uh, equality of opportunity feminist. Absolutely. For sure, man. Women yeah. should have all the same rights and protections and legal protections that men have. For sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah. But, but that that's not the same thing as a postmodern version of a feminist, which is. We have to basically take away access and opportunity from men because they are taking it away from women, and we have to we have to engineer it so that we give more of it to women. Like yeah. that is not how you produce a free or a prosperous or, or or fairly equal society. I think I think Milton Friedman said this. He goes, uh, you know, a society that uh, privileges equality over freedom will have uh, a deficit of both. Yeah, yeah. But a society that privileges freedom over equality will always have an abundance of both. Yeah. And that's really, I mean, that is really the heart yeah. Yeah. Of, of that, of that, of the root of that idea. Correct. Um, and but, I think you know, too, if, the, the, if you, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to say that, you know, I think what you're, I think what you're talking about too is a, a government that, focuses on giving people freedom to pursue the good, the virtuous, yeah. Uh, yeah. the, you know, the, the, to pursue making society better versus mm. looking at freedom in a sense of from this or from that person or from that race or from that ethnicity. Um, I, I think that has got to be the focus. The other thing that I want to make it very clear is, you know, first off, let's make this very clear. If I'm going to give my son the freedom, or in this case, you've heard this a lot, Sean, the right. Mm. If I'm going to, in this family of ours, give him the right to drive my car, you can damn be sure, Sean, that that kid's going to have to have some responsibilities. And if he does not act in a responsible way, he does mm. not get that right to drive that car. Mm. And this is something yeah. that we have totally, yeah. we have totally dropped the ball on. Every yeah. single right that I am given in this world should be followed by responsibilities. And more importantly, yeah. Sean, the, un the controversial thing that I'm going to say is when I don't act responsible, I should not be given that right. Or yeah. even, let's put it this way, I should not be, I should not be surprised when that right is taken away. And so yeah. if I'm going to give my son that right to drive my car, it's going to come within certain responsibilities in which he's going to have to do. He can't drink and drive. He's going to have to go and get a license. He's going to have to have a job to put gas in the car. And if he fails at getting a license, if he fails to not drink and drive, if he fails to not put gas in the car, if my response is, oh, but, uh, you know, he still has rights and... I don't know, you know, I don't really want to emphasize these responsibilities. Well, mm. when he destroys the engine of the car, you're going to know because he's not putting gasoline in it. He's putting water. Mm. He's putting water in the system, <laughs> you know? When the car right. gets in when the car gets impounded 
because he was asked for his license and registration. He said to the officer, I don't have my license. Okay. We can't be so surprised, Sean, when our car is mm. impounded or when yeah. he's locked up in jail. Okay. Facing a $500 fine or whatever, a $2,000 bail or something like that. And it's like, that's where I feel 2020 is. 2020 is the yeah. year we wake up and we realize that our son's been putting water in the fuel instead of gas. And it's like, wait, I don't understand. I, 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 I don't understand. I gave him the right to drive my car and yeah. the car should yeah. be functioning perfectly fine. And my son says that he's perfectly fine and he demanded a lot of rights and I gave him a lot of rights. I don't understand. Why can't we function as a society in 2020? And it's like the gas running on water instead of gasoline. Yeah. So, I mean, right there, it's like with freedom comes responsibility. With, with, with freedom comes agency. You have the agency to do all this stuff now, right? But we aren't emphasizing the responsibility that needs to occur. And, you know, regard, regarding your son driving the car, you know, if, if we, if I, let, let me put my help, my woke helmet on for a minute. And I'm going to look at this situation with, through the spectrum of critical theory, okay? I'm going to say this is, n- none of this is your son's fault because you, the responsibility falls. The responsibility falls upon you to teach your son, and the responsibility falls upon the police officer to understand that your son is not is not properly educated. And the responsibility falls on the manufacturer of the car to know that your son is going to put in water instead of gasoline. And the responsibility falls upon the, you know, municipality that paves the road that is allowing for your son to drive irresponsibly this is this starting to make sense yeah. to you yeah uh, everything dead on. everything, You're dead everything on. is everything everyone else and every institution is responsible for the failure except the person who's doing the failing right. and this this is critical theory this is critical theory woke critical theory that has been kind of diffused and disseminated through academia and now it's in the, the greater culture at, at large. And it is producing incredibly confused and incredibly, you know, just misinformed people who, when they realize that none of this shit seems to be working and all of this, everything seems broken, well, then they get mad and then they start tearing stuff down and they start getting angry. And they've been taught critical. I mean, the, has, the critical theory has the word critical in it. So it's like just criticizing things. You, you haven't been taught how to build anything. You've right. just been taught how to deconstruct things. Right. And if you view the whole world through this spectrum, and I'm not saying there's no place for this. I'm yeah. not saying that at all. I'm not yeah. saying that. I'm saying that if this is the only way that you look at the world, well, then guess what? You're you're screwed. You're yeah. screwed. You're going to you're going to say to your son who crashed the car and who put water in the engine. You're gonna you're gonna say we need to give him more freedoms. Yeah. We need to get we need, because. It is not his fault, right? Correct. So, Correct. so it's. I mean, it's it's it's. And and we need we need you to pay, and we need the cop to pay, and we need the car company to pay for all of the, you know for his bail and for all of these things. And it, this is this. Can, do you see the parallels? Yeah. <laughs> right. No, I think it's great. So, I mean, and, and and on that point, Sean, to wrap this thing up, I mean, where where do we go from here? We went through the first six months. I think. Mm-hmm. A great word, I think, that I would use is a, a lot of – something along the lines of there was something that came about that was unknown. And the unknown seemed to move into our society like a plague. And yeah. this unknown created a lot of anxiety 
a lot of of reasons for why in the past we weren't we weren't prepared we were hit with something and we were not prepared to deal with this accordingly and we were kind of knocked off our seats and now the question is the first six months we're knocked off our seats we're dealt with some chaos we're trying to make the most of what we're given how do you see these next six months play out. I just give you my quick opinion on this. I think Go ahead. Yeah. I look at the economics, the fundamentals of our economy, and I see a major problem in the US. I see this idea that we can kind of print our way out of, uh, of a disaster, mm. out of a recession, mm. won't work. I see over the past centuries, anyone who decides to continue either to print money, to go into debt, to have both personal and private and public debt, to live beyond our means, to continue to blame other people instead of themselves. I see a massive amount of people all across the world saying, look, America may not be the place to invest our money anymore. We might have to look elsewhere. That's kind of what I consider the negative side of it, okay? And I also Mm. think that there'll be a lot of, I'm not so sure unless it's a landslide, Sean, that there's going to be a lot of, my, my guess is that if you're going to – two things. A, I think financially we're in trouble. I think America's going to have a big downturn. And the second thing that I'm going to say is if this election is a close election, you can, you can almost guarantee that this kind of bitterness, resentment, divisiveness will continue. And yeah. it's not necessarily neighbor to neighbor but region to region. I think you're going to start seeing more and more regions across America say – we want to be more independent of those guys. We want mm. different, a uh, different way of life than those guys in that part of the country. And and again, yeah. those are my two thoughts. Kind of a tribalism built on a regional sections in America, and I think a lot of this tribalism mm-hmm. will escalate and get more intense because the value of the dollar will continue to drop. And I just want you to take over, you know, to tell me a little bit about what you think about the next couple of months. Yeah. Well, based upon how everyone has been acting for the first six months of the year, I don't have, sadly, don't have too much hope for the next six months of the year. And I mean, just because, I mean, it's, it's, it, and it's really like, I want to talk kind of as it relates to COVID. Everyone was so like, oh, you know what? We, it's okay. We're like here in Spain, like, you know, just two weeks we'll be locked in our houses and then, you know, we'll flatten the curve and then we'll be all right. Sorry, if that's how you can hear how that's okay. She's saying time's up, time's up. Yeah, she's yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, get off the phone, dad. She wants to play. So, um, no, no, I mean, just considering how everyone's acting and are are not acting, I think is indicative because people here in Spain, at least, are so quick to just say, all right, well, you know, we got to do what the government tells us to do, we got to stay in our homes, we got to listen to the experts, we got to do this, that, and the other. Even when all of the science on COVID and on deaths just has been botched from the beginning. Right. Um, And then, you know, like uh, in America, for example, like when all the BLM protests were happening, COVID disappeared. It was like, wow, COVID, I guess, is not a thing anymore. And then suddenly, you know, two weeks ago, boom, COVID's back with a vengeance. Fauci's going you know, basically wagging his finger at everyone saying, no, no, 4th of July, 4th of July is canceled. And meanwhile, you have all these Americans, average Americans, who don't know what intersectionality is and who don't care because they're too busy trying to feed their family. And they're just like, they're, they're just trying to pay their rent and, and do their, and just live, you know? 
I think they're seeing this and they're going to go, what, wait, what, what the hell? And they're going to lose their trust in the institutions. Mm. They're going to lose their trust in the institutions. And I think we're going to see more division occur. We're going to see, like you said, this more tribalism occur. I think the economy is going to go into a downturn because everyone's just pointing fingers and no one's doing anything constructive. Um, mainstream media is, has been, you know, uh, uh, Trump gave a speech Fourth uh, of July, and they said it's dark and divisive, and it's like, well, what's dark and divisive about it? He said he wants to put up monuments that represent all of American history and give everyone equal. You know, this is like it's this is like this sounds progressive to me, you know. Yeah. And he's talking about yeah, you know, the far left Antifa. We need to stop them. They're trying to destroy the foundations of this country. And it's like, what is he saying there that is wrong? All that is correct, but the American media, ninety percent of them, are on the side of the culture war that protects Antifa and glorifies them. Yep. So, of course, they're going to say he's dark and he's divisive. You know, Americans and everyone around the world needs to actually listen to a Trump speech all the way through. And you make, you know, it's like if you still think he's an asshole afterwards, then of, sure, man, that's, yeah, that you believe what you want to believe. But please, 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 please pay attention to what Trump is saying, not through not filtered through what CNN or what NPR tells you. You got to right. go to the horse's go to the horse's mouth. Right. Read the transcript. Right. Watch him. You know. And and I think if more people did that, there would not be so much outrage, and everyone would be like, "Wow, CNN is just straight up lying to me. Like they are just they're just they're, they're just taking everything out of context." And not and I'm not saying this to defend Trump. I mean, I don't I don't it's I mean, I am because I'm trying to defend the objectivity of of judging Trump. If you want if you want to, you know, it's like I personally don't like the guy, but like, you know, he's not he's not Satan in terms of how the mainstream media is portraying him. So, people are going to get angrier. The economy's going to go into a downturn. I think we could see the end of the republic. You know, yep. America could fra- America could fracture. This, I mean, I think it's a long shot, but it's possible. I think what is much more likely to happen is the EU falls apart, and the you know, or at least or at least uh, 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 shrinks and dissolves in one way or another in, in the next few years. And, and I, I don't think that would that, be a bad thing, Sean. I don't yeah, think that would I mean, be a bad at, thing. At, at, at this point, me neither, because. You know, the kind of the Davos class of globalists who really want to push this neoliberal agenda of essentially government sanctioned and government applied corporatism. This is a very real thing. This is a very real thing. And I think classical liberals like like myself, I think like you, I think I would I would I would also categorize you as a classical liberal. I think we are, are seeing this and we're going, holy shit. You know, yeah. this is not the world that we want to, that I want to live in. I don't want to like a one world economy, one world of government. I Correct. want there to be diversity in the market and I want there to be diversity in ideas. And Correct. I want there to, you know, it's like, that doesn't mean you don't believe in Correct. cooperation and in, de- in democracy. Correct. No, you, you believe in a diversity of ideas, not a, not a vague multiculturalism. That's not what we're talking about. Correct. It's like, we believe in so, freedom and democracy, but not the way that the EU has defined it because the way they've defined it, okay, is not the way that we define it. The way they define it is in a very, in my opinion, it's it's a double think. It's it's, yeah. it's freedom and democracy, but only to the way we define what is free or should be yeah. free, and what we define is rightly democratic or wrongly democratic. There's still a judge involved, and they want to hold that power over to determine what is free 
and what is not free, what is good and what is bad, what is democratic, what is tyrannical, and they want to be the ultimate judges versus the people, the actual people in which they are governing to be the actual judges for themselves. And I just well, want to leave you... Uh, I want to leave you with that final quote from Solzhenitsyn. It says, A decline in courage may be the most striking feature that an outside observer notices in the West today. The Western world has lost its civic courage, both as a whole and separately in each country and each government and each political party and, of course, in the United Nations. Such a decline in courage is particularly noticeable among the ruling and intellectual elites, causing an impression of a loss of courage by the entire society. There are many courageous individuals, but they have no determining influence on public life. And with that said, Sean, all I would say is there needs to be a lot more courage that's in the intellectual elite group of people in this world, in our politicians, in our leaders all across the spectrum all across the board that is something and again that was taken from alexander solzhenitsyn in his commencement speech at harvard university uh, in that was uh june 8th 1978 so with that said i think alejandra's telling me to get out of here and uh, i wanted yes, to finish with that sean be uh, be courageous and uh be good and uh, we'll be back next week or maybe even possibly this week with a part three, that's right, we, we, this is a break. We did part one, part two of Wokeness, and part three yep. of Wokeness coming up shortly, hopefully this week, if not uh, early next week. Yes. yes. All right, right, have a good one. Thanks, man, you too.